0: Good morning, and welcome to Faithbrook Church. I'm Chrissy Thompson, our Connections Director. We are so happy to have you here with us, and if you're online, a welcome to you as well. Well, if you are newer here at Faithbrook, we would love to get to know you, and for you to get to know us better as a church as well. So right after service, you can meet us up front. Um, Pastor Jim and some of the staff will be checking in as well, and we will share with you a little bit about who Faithbrook is, what we do, and why we do what we do. Um, So please join us after church, about five minutes, grab a coffee, and get settled in for our discovery. Our mission at Faithbrook is to lead people into new and thriving lives in Christ. So we want to encourage you to grow and to lead others in two very specific ways. The first is through life groups. Life groups are starting up this week. Many of us have taken a break over winter and the holidays. And so this is a great time for you to jump in and to join in to a life group. The second is through using your gifts and talents in volunteering. Did you know it takes about 40 volunteers at a minimum each Sunday here at Faithbrook? So your gifts and your talents are very much needed and wanted here at Faithbrook. So signing up for a life group and volunteering are two specific ways that you can grow in your faith and help live out our mission here at Faithbrook. So you can go to our website or you can go to our church center app, it's the best way, underneath more and you can see the options for groups and for volunteering. Thank you for helping us live out our mission here at Faithbrook. Well, let's now welcome our lead pastor, Jim Comfort, as we continue our series, God Strong.
1: Good morning, welcome Faithbrook today. I see that you survived one of the coldest weeks. Amen, we're through that, hopefully, right? It's gonna be a good day. If you're watching online, we wanna welcome you this morning. How many of you have ever been on a sports team or a drama team where there's some player or some cast member that's just kind of not putting their best effort forward? They're just kind of slacking. They kind of want to be part of the play. They want their name in the program, but they're not willing to put the work in it, right? Or a person wants to be on the team. They they want all the privileges, put on the uniform and maybe get on the bus and, and be there on the court under the lights, but I don't know if I want to run all those wind sprints. And before you know you're like, ah. Well, that's kind of happened in my son's uh, sports career a little bit. One day, he's like, man, Dad, there's this guy on the team. He's all gung-ho that uh, he want to be on the team. But, man, he's such a slacker. And he doesn't want to show up at the time. He's not reading the playbook. And when it comes to running, he just kind of uh, does half speed and aggravates everybody. Sometimes when we get into practice or games, he didn't pay attention to the playbook and things start fumbling and it just kind of brings some tension and some frustration on the team because this team member is not putting his full effort in it. It really begs the question, does this player want to play strong or does he just like being on the team? Well, that's kind of where we're going today in our continuous series of God Strong. Uh, How many of you believe that a lot of times Christians or those who claim to be Christians uh, don't always live authentically and strong in their faith? In fact, maybe some of you could maybe confess. It's like, yeah, I'm not even know if I'm very strong. Most of the time, I'm just kind of waffling or I'm kind of weak well, this winter, January, February, we're going to one of the, the strongest books in the New Testament, and that is the letter that Paul wrote to the church of Ephesus called Ephesians. And we're just kind of walking almost verse by verse through this um, this ver- this book in the Bible to reach our full potential in Christ, because God's heart is for those who claim to be Christ followers. Man, we got to live genuinely. We got to not only just put on the the uniform, but we got to fill it out. And we got to be part of the team playing with our best effort, reaching our, our full potential in Christ. Now, sharing a little bit, setting this up, that the book of Ephesians was written to these kind of baby Christians. Uh, Their founding pastor, Paul, uh, loved these people. He spent some time with them. Now he's kind of trapped back in Rome. He's under house arrest. And through all these church plants that he began, they're they're corresponding with him. And he's trying to encourage him because he cannot go to them anymore. So fortunately, luckily, the archaeologists have found these these, uh, texts These transcripts put them all together in what we call the Holy Bible, the canonization of the central message of Jesus is Christ and the back half of the New Testament. We have a lot of his writings of Apostle Paul. And one of them is this letter to this early church of Ephesus called Ephesians. Now, Paul is totally invested in these people. He's been their pastor. He loves them. And he worries about them. They are living a very humanistic, secular culture. And he's getting some, some messages that some people are weakening. Some people are kind of compromising. Some people are not living uh, up to the standard of, of what Christ calling in their life. So he writes this, this book. And we uh, learned about it in the first couple chapters. He wants them to lean into or to embrace their identity, their purpose, and their position. And we learn that we cannot reach our full potential in Christ if we don't really embrace our identity in Christ Jesus. Who we are again? How much does he love us again? What what is our purpose? And what is our position? Remember, he says, man, you were dead in your transgressions. We have all fallen short. We, We don't measure up to God's holiness, but God so loved us, he was willing to die for us, and he positioned us up with Christ Jesus. So, Lean into that, Uh, get strong, believe in that. And so he goes to the third chapter of Ephesus, Ephesians, and then he introduces this concept of the power, this dunamis, power, that's the Greek for, for power, he also talks about this amazing love in chapter three. Is this Paul's on his knees? He's praying. He's like, man, if these people in Ephesus, if they could get this, this would be so amazing. God, would you please help them embrace and see the depth of your love? How wide and deep and far that it goes, and just eat that up, set down roots to establish themselves in your love, and to remind them of this power that's available to him. And he drops in this amazing promise of God. Now out to Him, who is able to do immeasurably more, greater things than we could ever ask or imagine, according to the dunamis, the power that is living within us. That when we say yes to Jesus, we we want to get on the team, we want to put on your uniform. Then, then He drops in His Holy Spirit, and it sits there, wanting more and more of us to be like Christ. That we align ourselves with God's. Uh, his purpose and identity for us. Now we go into chapter four and five. All right. Now, Paul's getting a little bit more personal. He's going to start confronting some stuff that sometimes we don't want to be confronted with. This gets a little bit personal. This is where people start saying, I don't know if I want to hear this. It's a little too edgy. It's a little too personal, Pastor, frankly, but he realizes if they're going to live strong, if they're going to be on the team, then they got to live authentically. And so he starts sharing and confronting. In verse 17 of chapter 4, he uses a strategy of, of comparison. He reminds them of what they were called out of. The lifestyle, the thinking that they were called out, and to what they were called into. So he jumps into it and he says, so I tell you this. And insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the brutality of their thinking. Now he uses the word Gentiles. to just kind of an overarching um, um, identity of the culture. Gentiles and the way they think. What are their priorities? What are their values? This is what you have been called out of. Now he realizes that a lot of these Christians in this new church are baby Christians. They didn't grow up in Christianity. Never heard of Christ. They're just part of the Ephesians culture, right? And and now they're they're trying to learn and to be more like Christ. And frankly, old habits are hard to change. There's probably some hangover from what they used to do, what they valued. Now into their Christian life, this is getting a little muddy. Uh, things are not as clear. It kind of sometimes reminds us of us, right? We we kind of wanted to do our own thing and. For some of us, we chose to say, yes, we want to Jesus, put on the uniform, I want to be on the team, but I'm not sure if I want to do what the coach wants me to do, and there's some expectations and restrictions if you're going to be on the team, and I just kind of want to sit there on Friday nights and get all the glory versus putting in on the effort. So this is where he's going, and he continues to describe this culture that they are living in. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. So darken understanding. A lot of times, I don't know if you've noticed this, if, if you're a Christ follower and this kind of message is kind of targeted to those who are trying to follow Christ, a lot of times we value things or we might see things um, and most of the is like, we don't see life that way. Um, we might even think you're a little weird. Some people are even hostile to the values or the principles of Christianity, because they're kind of darkened in their thinking. A lot of times they're just kind of ignorant, don't even understand. They just think, ah, I've never heard of that, and I don't even care to hear it. And Before you know it, he says they are hardened in their hearts. Could it be that our hearts at one time are open and soft to God. For instance, uh, when we're younger, we see kids are open to, to Christ, and your heart might have been open, your kids, grandkids were open to Christ, maybe attended church, I don't know. But as we get older, it's just very easy for our hearts to get a little harder, right? And we see a lot of times in the younger generation, frankly, is it's kind of walking away from Christ. Probably most of your cohorts or your neighbors, they're not interested in Christianity, don't need Christ. Maybe they grew up in church, but they're like, eh, It's kind of hardened. They walk away. In fact, I've met a lot of empty nest parents, grandparents, and they're grieving that their kids and their grandkids have kind of just walked away from faith in Christ Jesus. And there's different reasons. Some will say, well, you know, I I just intellectually can't get through it. There's just not enough intellect evidence that this this religion thing and this Christianity thing, that's just all for just weak people, but I need some hard evidence, and because it's not super logical, I'm not interested. Other younger people kind of walked away from the faith because they've seen too much hypocrisy. People are not living in the faith. Yeah, did you see that preacher did that, and that pastor and that priest, and there's these scandals. I I don't know anything to do with that, and they walk away from Christianity. Totally understand that sometimes they, frankly, just kind of want to make their own rules up. You know, they'd say, man, you, you read that Bible and that church, there's, there's some restrictions and, and expectations. And, man, that's no fun. I, I, I'm just going to make up my own mor- morality. I'm going to make up my, my own truth, my own opinion, and live the way I want to do and no thank you. And there's that parent's like, wow, I thought your heart was soft. I thought it was kind of open. And now it's kind of darkened, kind of hardened and we're praying that there would be some illumination. We're praying that maybe their eyes would be open. Say, well, let's give Christ another chance. Let's investigate. Maybe, maybe the world hasn't satisfied me with all the love and the purpose that I thought. Maybe the, I don't have the power, the willpower to, to manage my life and all the complexities and decisions I have to make. Maybe there is something about Jesus and the lights would be turned on and they would be investigating their, their, a deeper identity and a love worth finding. So this is where the Apostle Paul's talking about this culture. They're darkening and understanding. Their hearts are kind of hard. In fact, he says, they having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality <clears throat> as they indulge in every kind <clears throat> of impurity and full of greed. I mean, they're just lost all sensitivity. There's just, anything goes. Just whatever given over to the flesh, <clears throat> the world, let's go for it. Now, you have to remember, he uses the word sensuality, which is really akin to sexuality. Ephesians was known for just like, hey, man, that's the place to uh, really lean into lust and sexuality because <clears throat> Ephesus was the home of the goddess Diana, and Diana was the god of uh, fertility. And so people would travel there and let's say maybe uh, we, we can't get pregnant and maybe let's go worship uh, the goddess Diana and maybe something happened to us. Uh, and other people was like, hey man, sex is so awesome. Let's just experiment with that. Let's embrace that. It's got to be good. It can't be wrong. And there's Diana. She's just like the goddess of that. The, in that temple, there's all kinds of prostitutes and priests. And in that culture, it's just like, let's just go for it. Uh, it was known that once a year, that was the hub of the, the, the goddess festivities, right? So everybody would come for a month, man. It was just all on. <laughs> it, it was just debauchery, parties, probably orgies, nudity. It was all that. And here, are these Christians like, oh. I'm gonna get on God's team and, and I'm trying to live next door and at work and all my community, they're all about this sensuality that was just so common. And, and Paul's like, man, these people just kind of lost all sensitivity and given themselves over to these desires and this culture, every kind of impurity, just throw in some greed there and as anything goes. Sometimes that, that phrase, lost all sensitivity, reminds me of our culture today. Sometimes privately, I'm just like, what is going on in our culture? I see some of the headlines. I'm like, How can you do that? How can you just brazenly just hijack someone, right? Or just steal stuff. And have you seen just mass theft, right? And, and shoplifting all time high. And there's people just shooting people, mass murders. And I'm like, whoa, do you have a conscience? Do you go home and say, man, well, uh, that was wrong? <laughs> and, and I'm realizing they've lost all sensitivity. Their hearts are hard. They don't care. They don't even see it wrong. They justify it. They rationalize it somehow. And there's damage and there's, there's it hurts. And that's what happens sometimes. When we don't have God, we don't have a moral compass that comes from a transcendent truth, then it's our truth. And if I want to do what I want, then I'm justified and I don't really care before we know, it, there's breakdown, there's problems, and we hurt from it. Just giving themselves over to whatever the flesh, whatever the culture, whatever my need is. And this is what Paul's kind of identifying with, this culture, and he's calling them out of it. And then he's going to start calling them to something, these Christ followers. Verse 20, that, however, is not the way, that the way of life you learn, when you heard about Christ and were taught in him, according with the truth that is in Jesus. The truth that is in Jesus. Now, Paul's always going to point him back to Jesus. He's not pointing him back to a denomination. He's not pointing him back to a religion. He's not even pointing him back to rules. He's going to bring them back to the living Jesus. Now, this Jesus comes with some truths. And the truth is what we don't really lean into, but Jesus comes with some truths. For instance, he created this beautiful world, the Father, Holy Spirit, and he created us. And he tells us this truth that he chose us. He predestined us before we even knew us. The Bible tells us that he adopted us. Even when we wasn't very attractive or didn't even care about him, God so loved us that he says, man, I'm coming to die for you. That's how much I love you. I want you back. The devil and the world has scarred you and harmed you and abused you. And you've taken your life through all this muck. I've come to redeem you. That's the truth of Jesus Christ. I can heal you. I can uh, help you. And before you know it, there is an identity. There is a purpose for your That's the truth of God. And, you know, the big bonus is afterlife. There is the truth of eternal life that's in heaven and is real. But the same truth that God wants to give us eternal life, that he died on the cross, that he wants to empower us, the same truth is that he's also the truth that there's going to be a judgment. Because right now, he's a God of mercy. He's a God of grace. But one day we're going to face Jesus, and the truth is, is he's going to judge us. We're going to have to be accountable because he's offered us a game plan. He's offered us a way of life to, to reflect him, to live whole in him, to do life in a healthy, functional way according to his principles. And if we just blow that off and say, no, i want to do my own thing, that truth is out there too. So Paul's trying to communicate this to him, And he knows they and we will never reach our full potential unless we choose to live authentically. Choose to live authentically. Not choose to live perfectly. It's the difference between living perfectly and authentically. Because when we're authentic, our hearts are in it. It's kind of like the, the cast member that says, man, I might not be the best actor. I, I might not be the most talented person or the athlete. But man, authentically, I want to be on this team. What do I need to do? Oh, we're going to have to run some wind sprints. Okay. We're going to have to learn the playbook. Uh, okay. I'm willing to do that. That's authentic living. That's what... Jesus wants from our life. And so Paul wants this also for these first century baby kind of Christians to grow and understand that. But it takes a choice. He goes on, he says, you were taught with regard to the former way of life to put off the old self. Put off the old self. Other translations to put off the old man. Okay? Uh, the original term about putting off self wasn't like, okay, well, these are not good. I need to repent. I'm just going to put them over here. The original translation is to throw it off. That we are so convicted and repent of those actions, these sins, that we throw it off. That That is not good for me. I repent of that. I'm putting it off, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. Now, there's a couple of Key words in there that I just want to unpack a little bit. The word corrupted comes from the the quality of corrosion. Okay, Something is breaking down. Now, if you know anything about corrosion, it's kind of like rust. If something starts polluting, you can even maybe throw in cancer. Most people don't know they have cancer. They don't even know if they have rust. It just starts small. It just starts eating away. It just starts polluting. Before you know it, you're like, whoa, I got a problem. This is what Paul's talking about. Is that, that there we have this ability to be corrupted and corroded in our hearts through justification. And a lot of that comes from deceitful desires. Now deceitfulness means to be deceived. This is one of the tricks of the devil, main strategies of this devil, right? To deceive us. If you do a little bit of research, uh, you go all the way back to the first temptation and sin of mankind, third chapter of Genesis. That's exactly the devil, what he he did. God created this beautiful Garden of Eden. He loved humanity. He says, man, I want you to be free. I want you to be whole. You can just live it free. I only ask one thing. Just please choose to obey me. I got one tree for you. The, the tree of good and evil, have at everything else. No mosquitoes, no clothes, just have a ball, right? Just don't go eat this fruit. Can you do that? Free will, free choice, you make the choice. So there's, there's Eve, she's hanging out on that tree looking at that apple. And the Bible tells us, man, that this, this lust or this desire, it's like, man, that thing looks delicious. <laughs> Look at that thing, man. Her body, her eyes, her flesh, it's like, oh, looking good. Here comes the devil. He's like, that's looking pretty good, isn't it? You know what that would taste like? that would be so good, right? And then she said, well, I can't do that because God says, you know, there's one thing I don't want you to eat, and it's that, and so we're going to try to stand down from that and not do that. And the devil said, well, why did he tell you that? Well, he says is that, that that's my tree, and, and uh, there's going to be a consequences. And the devil said, oh, you know, you can't really trust God. You can't believe all that kind of stuff, he says. He says, really, you know, God doesn't want you to eat that tree because he knows. That if you eat that, that, that fruit, you're going to be like him. You're going to see what he sees. You're going to have the power the power he has, right? And he just wants you to be over here. And so you got to try that, man, because really he's lying to you. And she got the seed. Before he her, she says, "I'd like to be God. I'd like to make my own rules." And the devil says, "That's how life is." And so if I eat it, that I can be my own God. And so she eats that apple. And everything starts breaking down. She calms her husband into it, and he's eating the apple. And it's a breakdown from there on, right? Because he uses the tactic of deception and leverages our desires. The word desires is, is acquainted with lust. And we have these fleshly human lusts, not just sexually, but lust for power, lust for money, lust for pride, right? And it manifests itself into sin, uh, sin and and let's face it sometimes sin can be fun sin can be very alluring did you go to that party did you do that did, did you participate I mean, that was a blast right? If yes if one some person said yeah sin can be fun if you do it right okay but before you know it man we're just kind of addicted to that lust that desire that we've been talked into or rationalized someone said sin it has a narcotic effect on people and culture on the narcotic effect that I need more. That was so fun. And before we know it, if you're a Christian, you, you can start rationalizing, compromising. Hey, that's not too bad. That feels pretty good. I, I'll try that to get. And before you know it, that corrosion, that corruption, that pollution starts breaking us down. We start getting more darkening. We, we compromise and rationalize and, and justify this, this sin. Before we know it, our hearts become a little bit harder. And, and and we don't we start losing our consciousness and deadening of our soul happens. And this is what Paul is concerned about. Before we know it, man, our heart is hard. We don't care anymore you know what, I'm going to do what I want to do. If I want to flip you off and I want to lie to you and I want to just be selfish, I'll do that because I don't care anymore. And next time we got, we got things breaking down, we wonder why there's so much brokenness in our society because a lot of times we don't care about the things of God. We don't have much moral, just our own moral. And if we get a bunch of friends and say we think that's right, then we can do anything we want, giving ourselves over to the things of the flesh. Now, this is where I start losing people because this starts getting really personal. We start getting really confronted and convicting, and then like, Jim, can you preach some other things in the Bible? Yes, I wish I could sometimes. But as we walk through this, this, these messages that Paul wrote, it gets very confronting, because frankly, sometimes it's like us. We want all of God. We want to go to heaven. We'd like for someone to say, you're a Christian, but man, there's so many fun things to do on the weekend, and everybody's doing it, and what's wrong with that? And People then look at us and it's like, I don't know if they're a Christian or not. There's not much difference between going to church and not going to church and and Jesus, right? It's kind of like that teammate. I want to be on the team, but I still want to eat cupcakes every night and just be the slowest guy on the court. I want to be on the team, but I don't want to take time to read the playbook, and you want me to have higher grades, and I don't want to study. Yes, if you're going to be on the team, you've got to have... A C average. Yes, you got to show up to practice. Well, I didn't want to. I wanted to play Fortnite. No, you got to be up to practice. Really? Yes. There's some expectations. It doesn't always feel good. And this is what Paul's trying to say. If we're going to live authentically, reach our full potential, we got to choose to live authentically. And so now in the text, in the scriptures, there's a pivot. He starts pivoting. He's talking about, hey, where you were, and you got to put that off, throw it off. Now he starts pivoting to what you need to put on. And he says, <clears throat> um, and to be made new, put this on. Attitude of your minds, the way you think. And to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Now put on the new self is a spiritual decision. Um, this is a personal decision, probably the most important decision, to put on Jesus. So just some little insight here at Faithbrook. We're not a really big sponsor of confirmation, and catechism, and, you know, I don't know, 14, 15, and did you read all the books and know all the traditions? And so do you, do you claim to be a Christian? Boom, you're, you're, you're sealed. A lot of times that doesn't stick. What we found that sticks is that when we find, have a personal decision on our own to say, man, I choose to put on the new self in Christ Jesus, we find that that usually sticks because it it grows deep in our heart because we made that personal decision, not tradition or parents or whatever. But part of that decision is to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. This is tricky because most of our life, my life, I was taught that the purpose of life is to live for yourself. Man, be all you can be. Take in all you can. Enjoy what you want to enjoy. Eh, God, once in a while. Okay. But he says, man, your purpose in life is to be like Jesus of righteousness and holiness is being little Jesuses. That's what that means, to be like Christ. When people look at you, at the end of the day, in your life, that's what life is about. doesn't mean that we have a boring life and we don't have fun, but that's, that's a change. That, that's a decision. It has to be a choice. Now, how this played out in my life, so many of you know I grew up in church, but I was just a you know, probably hypocritical little church kid right until in high school, that I made that choice. I chose to be, be Christ. And part of that is like, hey, you just can't play around and put on the uniform, show up on Friday nights, be under the lights. You got to play the part. You got to be righteous and holiness. Uh, that's kind of tough. So when I got out of high school, I was kind of on my own, college and all stuff. There's a lot of parties and social studies and a lot of decisions. And it started dawning on me, man, that am I going to live authentically in Christ Jesus or are I going to just fake my way Look like a Christian on Sundays, but man, weekends, whatever, I'm going to do my thing. And pretty soon I had to realize I had to make some personal decisions in my everyday life. For instance, what parties were I going to go to? Is that even the thing should I do? And when I go there, what, what am I going to do or I'm not going to do? I had to make some personal decisions about my languages and the words. I had to deal with my entertainment. what's appropriate. Is there any boundaries? I had to make my personal decision about alcohol and, and sex and dating. What I do with hurt and revenge and anger. What I do with my time and my resources. This all came under that, hey, if I'm going to be on God's team, then I got to have some expectations. What are my boundaries? And sometimes they were not easy. Sometimes it didn't feel that good if I was going to live in Christ's way. In fact, living authentically in God takes some tough personal decisions. And again, I get it. This is hard. This is where people are like, that's too radical for me, Jim. I'm not kind of doing that. However, if you want to be on Christ's team, there's some times where it's going to make some tough decisions. You, you research the Bible, you see what Jesus said. Jesus in the Gospels, man, he, he was kind of popular. People loved him. Man, he was healing people. And he was talking about you know, eternity and his love and salvation. Man, he, people flocking there. He's feeding 5,000 people. Hey, I want some of that. And he realizes, man, that's just putting on the uniform. But if we're going to say we're Christian and live like Christ, then there's going to be some tough decisions. So a couple places, for instance, he stops the people and says, listen, if you want to follow me, you got to deny yourself, take up the cross, and follow me. Take up the what? The cross. Crosses are heavy. They're, they're bloody. They're tough. That's right. If you're going to live authentically, then it's going to take some personal choices, some spiritual choices in your life that might be tough, that might cost you something. When I was in I mean, high school, I wanted to be a big football player. I thought that was pretty cool, right? Everybody running out on Friday nights, Friday nights, you got the uniform, letter jacket, all that kind of stuff. So I signed up. I want to be a part of my football team, right? I'm getting there. Hey, why don't we get to the game? I want that, I want that uniform, I want the girls and all that kind of stuff. He said, "Well, you got to do practice. Yeah, practice. Yeah, get start running. Well, you need to start running doing some push-ups, and you need to get in the weight room. And I was like, man, that's not fun. I'm sweating and struggling, getting beat up and all that kind of stuff. That's part of the team, comfort. So, oh, right? And that doesn't feel pretty good. And the coach gave us a pep talk and said, listen, do you want to win some games? If you want to make the school proud, then then we're going to have to go through some pain. And he taught us this chant. It says, no pain, no gain. No pain, no gain. And so we would start chanting that as a football team. Because nobody wants pain. But if we're going to have gain, then there's going to be some tough choices and it applies to our Christian life. Sometimes it's painful. Sometimes carrying crosses and being like Christ is not the most popular thing. It's having some personal boundaries and convictions. It's like, yeah, I, I'm not doing that. Because I want to be on the team, but I want to live authentically for Christ Jesus. That's why we'll, that we need to live authentically. And, and, and I would submit this to you. That people see if you're authentic or not. And I think a lot of people are turned off to church, turned off to Christians, because they don't see much of a difference. There's not much conviction. They're just kind of playing both sides of the fence, right? Kind of reminds me of the famous quote by Brennan Manning. The greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips, walk out the door, and deny him by their lifestyle. This is what the unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. Why should I sign up for that? When you say one thing on Sunday, but you know at work and their friends and the weekends, man, I don't know about that. People, I know, thanks, and we wonder. So that's why God says, man, if we're going to do this thing, if we're going to sign up and get the uniform, man, let's live strong. Some of us are wearing these uh, GodStrong bracelets just to remind ourselves, hey, man, I want, I want to live authentically. I want to reach my full potential. If I'm going to do this Christianity thing, man, let's live real. Let's live like Christ. Let's live authentically, not so much. Perfectly, but authentically, and then Paul, he goes into this list of ways or examples where they should be living authentically in Christ Jesus. He gives five examples. This is where it gets touchy. This is where it gets personal. Okay, he says, verse twenty-six: In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Holy cow! Okay, I know cows are not holy, but do not give the devil a foothold. How many things that the devil's like? Yes this is where I know your weaknesses. This is what I know you really like. I know that you really have a desire for this man and I'm just going to get in there. It can be anger. It could be, um, it could be lust. It could be power. It could be popularity. It could be anxiety. This is our foothold. Do not let that devil have a foothold. Deal in this case your anger. Now anger is not a sin in itself. Not at all. Something should upset us. Jesus got angry. It's what we do with that anger that can cross over to sin. He says, do not let the sun go down. Now that's just an analogy, not, not physically, but a lot of times he says you've got to address your anger because we can get hurt. Amen? And things can tick us off, and people can tick us off. What are you gonna do with that anger? You're gonna let that fester? You're gonna fire up some words? You're gonna flip someone off, right? No. Address it, deal with it, because the devil wants to manipulate you. He wants to put a foothold in you. And Paul says, Man, don't let it be anger. Then he goes on, he says, Man, he talks about integrity. If we're going to be Christ followers, then we have to be honest and with integrity. He goes right to it anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer. Now, I don't think that's really typical today as we're all walking around shoplifting or something, okay? But there's other ways that we can be dishonest. There's other ways that we can steal. We can, we can steal time from our employer, right? Just be slacking, right? We can take advantage of people. We can cheat and steal and things like that. He says, hey, you must work. Do something useful with your hands that you may have something to share with those in needs. In other words, don't be a slacker, uh, we used to call it mooching, right? So many times we can justify mooching. Well, let someone else pay for it. And we just steal things. We just consume things. He says, man, if we're going to be Christ-like, you got to get with it. You got to work. You got to do something to produce something. So what? It's not all about you. That you can share with others who are in need. Because there's people out there that need you to work, need you to do something. It's not about you. So you got to watch your Integrity. You gotta watch your your honesty. And so easily we can say, ah, they don't need it. We just cheat here, change that, and not be people of integrity. Ah, gets worse. This is now you gotta be, you gotta watch what you say. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. But only what is helpful in building other stuff according to these needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Unwholesome talk. Woo! Words are personal to us. Don't tell me what I should say and what jokes I should stay away from. I want to do whatever I want to. But he says, no, if we're going to be all in, all in and authentic, you got to watch what you say. Coarse joking, uh, raunchy things, crass words, curse words. Let me ask you this, friends. Is there any words that are off-limit to you? Or you just say whatever you feel at the moment that you feel like, or is there convictions in your life and say, man, I'd like to say that, and I would like to jump into that off-color joke, but that is not of Christ because my purpose is to live righteous. My purpose is to reflect Jesus Christ. I gotta say no to that, right? You know, words are really giveaway of what we value, who we are. I I personally can have a conversation with somebody, I mean, I I don't know, 60 seconds, just the words and their tones, I kind of can wrap them up, what's important to them. I can feel their heart through their words. And so when your words, how people look to you and judge you. It's 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 those things that come out of our mouth, he says. Are they positive? Man, my flesh, like, no, I don't want to be positive. I'm gonna criticize. I'm mad. But he said, man, comfort, you gotta I want you to build people up. What are the life-giving, encouraging words that we can have for people? Now he says that there's a Holy Spirit that lives within us. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit, which whom you were sealed. For the day of redemption, this is personal to God. Don't grieve him. If it's true that the Holy Spirit comes in this when we say yes to Jesus, then he's sitting there, he's coaching us. He's like, Yeah, man, let's go for it. And all of a sudden, you're like, I'll do whatever I want. I'm gonna say whatever I want, I'm gonna cheat wherever I want. Sometimes if the anger gets a hold of me, I'ma tell someone off right. And he grieves. He says, no, no, no. It's kind of like the coach. He's like, Man, I'm for you guys. We I mean, don't care. You're like, Coach, I don't care what you say. That grieves the coach. It grieves the Holy Spirit. Because God paid a high price for us. He's totally invested in us. He wants us to win and be empowered through his love and spirit. And then he says, man, there's no place for hate. The haters, no place. No place for discrimination. He says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. Malice means with ill intent. That you know what we we just want we want stuff to go bad for people. That's malice.ness Before we know it, those emotions crawl up in us. Sometimes we lash out with punches. Sometimes we gossip and we slander. Yeah, but that person rah, 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 rah. tell things, do things. If we don't deal with that anger, it, it festers and there's bitterness and hardening of our hearts. So, man, you got to get rid of that. There's no justification for a spirit of spite. And then he talks about our disposition. Just how we go through life. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other just as Christ forgave you. Kind and compassionate. I understand in these days there is a high need for kindness. A little bit of compassion. Everyone is just taking sides. Harsh. Rage. My way is the right way. Right. Where's that person that says, man, I'll bring a little bit of... You know, it's in some, some ease here, man, of kindness, compassion, right? Forgiving one another as Christ forgave you. Woo. Now he's really make forcing us to do some tough stuff because I don't want to forgive. Do you understand what that person said about me, did for me, right? And you want me to forgive that person? It's a personal choice. I can't make you do that. Only you can decide these spiritual decisions, where you're going to live and where the lines are in your heart. Frankly, forgiveness is a tough one. Man, I have to tell you, I've been in ministry for 30 years. There's been people that had criticized me. There's people that disrespected me. Ouch. My flesh is like jerk, right? But my God says, Jim, what are you going to do with that? You're going to give into that emotions. And pretty soon through the power of the Holy Spirit, I learned to say, man, I'm going to let that go. There are bigger things. This is not what I need to be bogged down to. Maybe their hearts are just hardened. Maybe their insides just darken. You know, I'm not going to, I just let that go. Forgive you. Man, there's greater things, right? Now, forgiveness doesn't mean that we just all kissy, kissy, everything's okay, right? Forgiveness is, is, there's some categories. Sometimes there is reconciliation. That's beautiful. That's awesome. Sometimes we cannot have reconciliation with people, but we still can forgive them. There's a level of forgiveness called forbearance. Two words, forgiveness, bearance. In other words, I forgive you, but there's gonna be some boundaries, some barriers. You're just gonna become walking in here, hurting me and insulting me. You're toxic, okay? So you just stay over there, but I, that means I still can forgive you, but there's gonna be some bearance. There's gonna be some boundaries. Now, friends, this, this is all kind of overwhelming. I know we're going deep. I know it's confronting, It's very convicting, right? I know that. That's why I've always said that what God is calling us to do will take the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, because we can't do this in our flesh. When we get hurt, we get angry, our flesh. It's the power of the Holy Spirit to live with integrity and to say no and do what's right, and especially to to curb our mouth and our words. (laughs) Takes the power of the Holy Spirit to let go of hate, to live with honesty and to forgive. But my friends, the good news is this is possible, not in our own flesh, but through the Holy Spirit. We don't have to always give in to temptation. I hate it when people say, well, we're Christians, and you know what, we're always going to sin. We're just going to, you know, temptation. You can't do it. We're not perfect. We just default and do no, 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 no. my Jesus is bigger than that. The power of the Holy Spirit says he can give me anything in me to live holy and right. Is it hard? Yes. Do I fail sometimes? Yes. But that doesn't discount, but I can be transformed. I'm not the same person I was 10 years ago. Not the same person I was two years ago. Why? Because I'm all that? No, because the Holy Spirit can do more than I can ever imagine. And before you know it, people are living authentically. Can you imagine someone in a social setting that has the convictions of say, I put on the uniform. I decided to put Christ, and I'm going to hold to those convictions. I know you don't understand it, neighbor. I know you don't understand it, friend or family member, but I'm not going to get into all that stuff, that partying. I'm not, I'm not going to be just uh, polluting my mind. There's some things that I just put some personal boundaries. They could be different for you than me. I'm not going there. Can you imagine the the person to have the guts and the courage and the workplace to say, man, I'm not going to compromise my values. Even though the boss is saying, hey, man, why don't you lie to that client? Why don't you deceive people? We need that bottom line. Change those numbers and say, I can't do it. I can't do it. Because I'm not living for myself. I'm living for Christ, Jesus. And when at the bottom end of the day, you're going to say, oh, I thought you went to church. Oh, you believe in that Bible stuff. And they're looking, man. Are they for real? They're for real. Because they paid the price. They had integrity. They dealt with their anger. Or a student. Man, if you're a student today, it's hard to be different. Man, the pop, popular society says, man, you need to believe in this. If you don't, you're a hater. You're wrong. Before you know it, you want to conform. Before you know it, you're compromising. And man, you're, you're like, hey, you're not living authentically. But could it be that God's going to help us? to live authentically. and You be the example. You be the person in your school. You be the person in your gym. You be the person with your friends that say, man, I'm going to live like Christ. People talk behind your back. Maybe they're like, oh, what a weirdo or something. Maybe behind their back and say, man, there's one person we can trust. And you know, when my friend died or I got cancer, you know who they're going to? They're going to the person who's living authentically. Not the person who's living perfectly. See, the world doesn't need perfect Christ followers. The world needs authentic Christ followers because authenticity has to do with the heart, not performance. It's kind of like the coach. The kid shows up and says, I want to be on the team. And the coach pulls him aside. And then, listen, there's going to be some expectations. You just can't show up and just pretend you're on the team, man. You, there's, there's some hard things, yes. Well, I'm not the best shooter. That's right, I know. I can't run as fast as the other kids. Well, can you try to run? Yes. Will you kind of help and encourage other people? Yes. It's about your heart. It's authentic of Christ Jesus, not so much perfection. Before you know it, you get a little bit better. So my friends, what is God calling you to throw off? What are the footholds that God is using or the devil uses to help you be inconsistent in your Christian walk? Maybe some of the things that Paul brought up, your anger. There are some tempers that happen And you just thought, well, that's okay. But God's like, man, it's not okay. Maybe it's your, your leisure. Maybe it's the words, the jokes. Maybe it's your integrity. Maybe it's in the sexual realm or practices. Maybe it's forgiveness or just not being a moocher and being able to be responsible and honest. What is it calling you to do or throw off? Now, here's the good news, my friends, that with the power of the Holy Spirit, he can, now to him who's able to do a more according to that dunamis that is working within us. And before we know it, we're not the same person. Before we know it, we're living more authentically because God's helping us to make those spiritual decisions that might cost us something. Well, at least we're going to be real. And at least we can know at the end of the day, man, we're doing our very best to live authentically and real for him. And you have no idea what God's going to do in your life when your, your whole heart is devoted to him. You know, it's kind of funny. Um, this player that was on my son's team, he kind of got confronted by the coach and the other players. And, um, and um, pretty soon, some things started changing. And he realized, this is serious business. I got some expectations. Before I know it, he started learning his playbook. Before I know it, he's running a little bit harder. Before I know it, he's not missing practices. And before I you know it, he's feeling a lot better about himself. And the team is feeling a lot better about him. And the team is doing better because this player says, man, it's more than just a uniform. It's more than just showing up saying I'm on the team. It's really leaning into what the team expects and living authentically. But friends, I encourage you as we close the stand, let's just take a minute to just um, digest this as we close out let's close, kind of close our eyes. Maybe there's some footholds that you know that God's just loving you, putting his finger on something. Yeah, this is not of Christ. Father, I pray that you would help us have courage to let it go. Maybe there's just been some activities, some privileges that we justify, and you're like, no, this is not of God. And to be real, authentic, to, to surrender it. And ask for your Holy Spirit to empower us, whether it be our languages, our our actions, our, our personal boundaries and things, to empower us, God, to live holy and authentically in you. We need you more than ever, God. And we just pray these things in your name. Amen. Well, thank you for watching and coming today. Five minutes, we're going to have our um, discovery class over here. If you want to know about more about Faithbrook, we'll see you in five minutes. God bless. Have a great day.